You're listening to the history and modernisation of Lincoln on Duck Island Radio. Hello and welcome to Duck Island Radio. My name is Sean Doyle and I'm here today with my co-presenter, Ross Blair. How are you today, Ross? I'm good, thank you, Sean. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the history and modernisation of Lincoln. We're going to be covering the past, the present and the potential future of the city. Naturally, we'll be starting at the beginning, the beginning of Lincoln to be precise. So, to kick things off, here's Callum Smith giving us a brief history of Lincoln. Lincoln was built by the Romans in 48 AD. They constructed a fort and large walls surrounded the town. Inside, they built streets, which were home to marketplaces, town halls and settlements. They also had public baths, which were a great place for locals to meet new people and share the latest gossip. Lincoln prospered until the 4th century, when the Roman Empire started to collapse. The last Roman soldiers left Britain in 407 AD. After that, the Anglo-Saxons took over what was left behind. Lincoln was almost empty and there may have been a small population living inside the walls and farming the land outside. Not a lot happened until the Danes conquered and revitalised the area in the late 9th century. They built a network of fortified settlements using the old Roman towns where they could. In the 10th century, Lincoln was captured by Alfred the Great's son, who boosted the town's prosperity. The town was home to many craftsmen, blacksmiths, jewellers and shoemakers. Following his invasion of England in 1066, William the Conqueror ordered the building of a castle on the site of the Roman fortress, making the city an important strategic asset. The building of Lincoln Cathedral began in 1072 until 1311. The central tower was topped with a spire that reached 525 feet in height, higher than the Great Pyramids of Egypt. It was the tallest man-made structure in the world for two centuries until the spire collapsed during a storm in 1549. By the end of the 12th century, Lincoln was one of the wealthiest towns in England. Cloth and wool made in the town was exported overseas. The reputation of the Lincoln cloth was boosted by Robin Hood wearing woolens of Lincoln green. The wool trade helped Lincoln grow to become the third largest city by the end of the 13th century. However, during the 14th century, the city's fortune began to decline as plagues ravaged the city. The decline of the wool trade saw Lincoln's size and prosperity to dwindle well into the 16th century. The discovery of America also made East Coast ports redundant. In 1538, Henry VIII closed the friaries and seized their property in Lincoln. His agents also looted the cathedral of its treasures. Civil war erupted in 1642. Most of Lincoln supported Parliament, but the town changed hands several times during the war. A parliamentary army withdrew in July of 1642. Royalist troops occupied Lincoln until a parliamentary army won the battle at Wintby. During the 18th century, Lincoln was at the heart of the Agricultural Revolution, becoming the central hub of manufacturing machinery for the region's farms. Companies in Lincoln would go on to become world leaders in heavy machinery. In the 19th century, Lincoln was like any other town of its time. Dirty, overcrowded and unsanitary. However, in 1876, the council built a network of sewers to overcome this. From 1883, horse-drawn trams provided transport in the streets of Lincoln. In 1905, Lincoln was hit by a typhoid epidemic, which killed over 100 people. The outbreak was caused by polluted drinking water, and the Westgate Water Tower was built to help clean up the city's water supply. 
During the World Wars, Lincoln switched to war production. The first ever military tanks were designed and manufactured in Lincoln by William Foster and Company. To this day, Lincoln's history plays a big part in the city, with many tourists visiting historical sites such as the Castle and Cathedral every year. And that was Karen Smith successfully condensing over 2,000 years of history into about three and a half minutes. I've, I found that really interesting. It's amazing how much history there can be to a city, even though you might have lived there for quite some time, haven't you? Yeah, I've lived, I've lived nearby all my life, and I, I couldn't believe it when I found out that the tank was invented here. Where you live, or where you're born, or where you're from, it's such a huge part of your identity. So to move away from that, you know, to a completely new area, you know, a university, you sort of lose, you lose your character in a sense. You're on the same level playing field as everyone else. So I think it's definitely a good thing to learn about the history of a city. It makes you feel more part of that city alongside everyone else rather than just a student stopping on by to study his course. It makes you feel like you're part of the community. But also, I think learning about everything that goes around you, everything that's happened way, way in the past, but also everything that's happening now and potential things that happen, can happen, I think they ultimately make you feel more at home. Absolutely. And I think we all we all want to feel at home when when we when we've moved away. Uh, it, it's easy to feel quite isolated. So hopefully, you come away from this show feeling feeling like you're a bit more feeling a more, bit more settled and you're you have the knowledge of the city that yeah. you've moved to, like you're more part of the the city itself. Now Lincoln's had a lot of changes in recent years. The 18 year old university has brought money, jobs, and people to the city. Some people are against this and argue that the city's history is becoming less relevant. Our reporter Ben Hollick went to find out more on this issue. It's a well-known fact that the city of Lincoln contains a lot of history, yet many people argue that its history is disappearing. We asked several students whether or not it's important to preserve the history of Lincoln. I'd probably say yeah, just because for people like me that are students that actually live here full-time, it'd be good to get to know the area that we live in. In terms of just tourism, it's a good idea to keep that in place because it attracts people. It's a good thing, it brings some money into the uh, local economy. Yeah, I do. While the university is very modern, it's nice to still be able to see where it's come from and the history of the area. Oh yeah, because the history of Lincoln, it just provides a character for the town. The history is always important. Uh, yes, I do think preserving history is very important for Lincoln because there, there is a lot of good sites around here, which is why I do think we should strengthen connections between the city council and the university to try and get a better partnership between the two. I quite prefer the modern side of architecture, um, but it's still nice to have traditional and historical pieces in the town. Well, I've lived here since before the university was what it is now, so it's definitely improved the town dramatically, but there's a lot here that needs preserving as well. So. When it comes to the history of Lincoln, there's no better place to start than Lincoln Cathedral. We spoke to the Dean's Verger of the Cathedral, Jonathan Campbell, to get his thoughts on the importance of preserving Lincoln's history. Do you feel as though Lincoln's history is being diminished? It probably has been in the past, but with the collaboration between the County Council, the City Council and the Cathedral and some regional agencies, Lincoln is on the map. Then about eight years ago when we collaborated with Hollywood and we did the Da Vinci Code here, and we're building up to next year with the 800th anniversary of Magna Carta, which is significant. Within the bounds of legality and propriety, we've got to preserve these places. I think we've got an obligation to look at what we've got and to preserve it without preserving it in an aspect just for the sake of it. But the, if you look at Lincoln Cathedral in particular, linked with education, it's a great resource for education. So it's, it's worth preserving for local interest, but for world heritage as well. 
Could you tell us a bit about how the cathedral and the castle are being preserved right now? Yeah, the um, castle is under great renovations, ready for the housing of Magna Carta. We've got 105 staff on the cathedral. About 45 of them are employed basically just to maintain the structure of the building. So proactively we're keeping the building up. But why do we keep the building up? Because fundamentally, first and foremost, this is a place of worship. So we're maintaining the mission and ministry of the building at the same time. Do you think neglecting and not preserving Lincoln's history would affect tourism here? Neglecting it is bad, but not preserving it and not taking it forward is just as bad. And if we can hand it on to the next generation in a better condition, then that's positive. Many people like to blame the university for the rapid modernisation of Lincoln. Others believe that the university has greatly benefited the city. We spoke to the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of the University, Professor Owen, to get his thoughts on this issue. Do you feel as though the historical side of Lincoln is being diminished? Certainly not by the university. The university does a lot to support the city of Lincoln and the county of Lincolnshire. First of all, we do it by a financial um, injection. It's a much wealthier place thanks to the university. But also we have close working relationships with the cathedral. We have close working relationships with the city itself. We have conservation experts on campus. We have medieval history experts on campus. So we make a good contribution towards preserving the nature of this city because it's important to us. How important do you think it is that we preserve the history? It's absolutely essential, particularly so in Lincoln. Its, its history goes back to the Iron Age, so it's essential that we maintain the character of this city. So, most people agree that preserving the history of Lincoln is essential and hugely important to the culture character and life of the city. And that was Ben Hollick reporting on the importance of preserving the history of Lincoln. It's quite reassuring to hear so many young people coming back and saying, well, actually, no, this history is a vital part of the city, even though, yes, we do like the modern side of things. Without any of the historic buildings, Lincoln would have no identity. Lincoln wouldn't, Absolutely. Lincoln wouldn't be on the map. And as we heard earlier, there's so many interesting things, so many fascinating things that you can you can find here and learn about the place. Well, the, the university has had such a huge impact on the city in a very short space of time. What is it that makes Lincoln such a good place for students and why is the uni so good for the town? Ross Blair went to find out. I like it because it's nice and quiet. Homely. Friendly. Quite a good reputation here. It's just quite like, centralised. It's close to home. See it. Historic. Well, I like the independent lifestyle. Lincoln is a small city with a vast history. One of the biggest changes to that history is also the most recent. Since its opening almost two decades ago, the University of Lincoln has seen thousands of students pass through its doors year in, year out. I spoke to one student to find out what it is about the city that makes it so appealing. Hi, my name is Etty and I'm a first year journalism student at the University of Lincoln. I chose to study at Lincoln because Lincoln is the best university for my course. My favourite things about living in Lincoln are the nights out and how pretty the walk up to the cathedral is. I'd recommend Lincoln as the university to be at. In 1996, one building would radically change Lincoln forever. Aside from shaping the future of its students, the university has also helped shape the future of the city. I went to the Lincoln Visitor Information Centre to get their opinion on the university and its students within the city. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims. I manage the Lincoln Visitor Information Centre. Lincoln's just a beautiful, beautiful city. And I think it has such a um, heritage here. 
and I think the university is say in its as its own reputation as well. So in terms of the courses that you can do and the study you can do here is superb. Students are benefiting really because Lincoln's a fabulous place to study. I mean, what a beautiful setting we're outside here today, looking at this gorgeous cathedral in, in the sunshine. For ourselves, students offer us extra visitors to our city because not only extra people in our shops and in our restaurants, but also their friends and family coming to visit. It's great to have investment into the city. It's revitalised the area where the main campus is for the university and it's seen lots of investment in terms of businesses coming into the area anyway generally and of course the university itself invests a lot in, into what we do too they invest into investor members in Visit Lincoln the marketing organisation for the city so they're helping Lincoln you know get promoted and get put on the map here at the Visitor Information Centre we help a lot of students because when they first arrive to the city people want first and foremost a city map how to get about, what's where, you know, all those useful, important um, questions we can help with. So as well as what to do and where to go, it just, just to help students orientate themselves and where to expect to find information. So come and see us, we're at the Black and White Tudor building in Castle Square. We're open seven days a week, so pop in and say hello. I asked the university lecturer, Dave Bussey, why he thought students choose Lincoln. I'm not sure why they make the very first choice, you know. Uh, obviously they'll have done a bit of research into different universities and come up with Lincoln. Uh, maybe it's to do with the geography of the place. I mean, it's a lovely cathedral city. You've got the big Brayford Pool outside, which is an attractive area to work in, modern buildings. Uh, and of course the university has a really good reputation for many of its courses. So what does Lincoln have to offer that other places don't? I think it still retains a lot of its old world charm, especially in the uphill part of the city. In terms of what it offers for the student, well, I, I mean, I was here before the university came, so it's just gradually improved out of anyone's wildest dreams over the years. There are more discos, there are more live venues, there are more pubs, there are more restaurants. There's certainly no shortage. So a relaxed atmosphere, nice city to live and, and learn in. So there you have it. It's clear that Lincoln is popular with both students and tourists alike. Whether it's the bustling nightlife or the historic streets, Lincoln has something to offer for everyone. That was Ross Blair finding out what makes Lincoln so great for students. If you want to find out more about the Lincoln Visitor Centre, just visit our blog, oldvsnewlincoln.blogs.lincoln.ac.uk, when you can hear the manager, Michelle Sims, tell you all about it. Get involved in the conversation on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash oldvsnewlincoln where we will be sharing everything that's great about Lincoln. You can also tweet us at oldvsnewlincoln or by using the hashtag mylincoln. For loads more content, visit our blog at www.oldvsnewlincoln.blogs.lincoln.ac.uk where you will get access to behind-the-scenes material and full-length interviews as well as pictures and videos from the show. There's a potential problem looming on the horizon for Lincoln, problem that other student towns have faced as well. And if you're a student, you'll have no doubt heard of Article 4. Now, what is Article 4 and why should I care about it? So to find out the answer to these questions, I visited the Students' Union to uh, find out what it's all about. My name's Olivia and I am the Vice President Welfare and Community Officer at the Students' Union. So my role is kind of split into two areas. The welfare side of things is making sure that students are healthy, happy, safe, and then the community side is how the Students' Union and how students can be a really good part of the local community, how they can give back, how they can provide. Could you tell us what Article 4 is? 
Article 4 is a piece of planning legislation and it puts a limit on how many HMOs, so houses of multiple occupancy or shared housing, there can be in any one area of a city. What's your stance on Article 4? As a students' union, we've done a lot of research into Article 4. We've spoken to other unions where it's been implemented in, in their cities and we kind of came to the conclusion that it would not be a good thing for us to be for Article 4 or to have Article 4 in this city. If this legislation was implemented, how would it affect students? We came to a conclusion through our research that it would affect students as they tend to live in shared housing and it would mean that students would be kind of pushed out of areas, maybe into further away into the city, so further away from the university, further away from shops. But also it could cause um, a rise in house prices because of a, a higher demand for homes closer to university, which would then be able to increase rent. How would this legislation affect Lincoln? In the research that we did, we, we realised that Article 4 would significantly affect students, but actually affect a lot of other groups of people in our cities. So those who are on benefits, those who are on kind of room allowance, those in shared accommodation maybe that have been homeless, migrant workers, skilled workers, also recent graduates who have just graduated, got lots of skills and knowledge to give back to the city. And if this resource of shared accommodation isn't available to them, with the wage being below the national average in, in Lincoln, the potential of house prices is going up, you know, maybe they wouldn't stay. And it could potentially give a brain drain situation where, you know, people are just coming here to study and then taking everything that they've learned to a different city and applying it there, which is not what we want to see in Lincoln. So that was me talking to Olivia Hill from the Students' Union, finding out more about Article 4. Uh, this morning, I uh, picked up a copy of The Link, the winter 2015 year eight issue two of their newspaper. And on the front cover, it has the headline for Article 4. It says, West End under threat. And inside, it has a breakdown of Article 4. It has everything in there that you might need to know. Worth picking up, worth reading uh, to find out. It's a very contentious, contentious issue, isn't it, Sean? It has a lot of points in The Link as well. Um John Plumbridge from the university talks about how a very similar article has been done in other student towns, student cities, and it just hasn't worked at all. It's just caused more issues than solved them. It's one of those issues, again, that where it seems to be tarring everybody with the same brush, I think, in yeah. one, one way of looking at it. It's basically saying that everyone who lives in high multi-occupancy houses are damaging the community. Um, one of the reasons that the committee that brought the Article 4 to fruition was formed was because they believed that having large numbers of HMOs were harming the community and harming the established parts of the city. I think as a student myself though, I think it's not fair to restrict where I can live. I I mean, I get you because I have friends, a couple of friends who want to go into a house next year because they hate the student accommodation they live in, you know, but that's just going to make things more difficult for them. It's going to be a big, more competitive marketplace if there's less houses to go through. And by the sounds of it, it's going to be a much more difficult process just to get a shared house. I don't really know if it's necessary. I don't think it's going to solve any problems at all. Well, I think if if this were any other group of people, I think it'd be a lot harder to push this kind of planning through. I can see there are both sides to it. But again, I think if the, there are problems, I think they're very much the minority. I think it's not fair to say that everyone who lives in HMOs are causing problems because it's 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 again you you there are there may be people out there who 
you know cause problems for neighbors we we all have we've all experienced bad neighbors in our life well yeah and bad neighbors aren't always in hmos they could just they, be in a usual house they'll they, still be bad neighbors exactly they can be anywhere another way of looking at it though is that you've got large groups of people in a single dwelling yeah it is a repurposed house a hmo it falls under a different it's it's a shared house it's a house of more blockers that's the defense they have to lie on one of the yeah another another one of the reasons that has been brought forward is is suggesting that where there are houses of multiple occupancy you then have more litter things like that more noise disturbances and disturbances to the peace again the thing with with things like loud noises yeah there may be one or two places where you have loud music playing at night but it only takes one household to disrupt an entire neighborhood it's not fair if one one of those houses is playing music and the other nine aren't because you're punishing the the other nine yeah the other nine could be perfectly fine hmo neighbors but because Uh, the one is making noise it punishes the rest of them even going beyond that you could have you can still have just one person in a in a group of five just one person being noisy and the entire house gets blamed yeah and then the entire neighborhood gets blamed and it's like brian brian alcorn said in the he gave his little piece didn't he for the link he's he's yeah his the president quoted, of the student union he's quoted, he's quoted in the newspaper here yeah and he said something along the lines of um why should students have any less right to live in a house than lincoln residents like it's 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 putting them down a bit it's giving them less it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's treating it's, them not like residents of the city they're just students treating us, a bit bad. treating us like like lesser beings really it's not fair. I think as an adult, as as thinking adults, we we have the right to think of. We have a right to choose where we want to live, just as much as anywhere any anyone else. I think if this were any, if this affected any other group of people, then I think there'd be a lot more, a lot more backlash. I think. Now but, it's time for us to delve into the unknown. We've explored both the past and the present of Lincoln, so now it's time to look at the possible future. Here's Ross Blair finding out what's in store for the city. What is the future of Lincoln? Where will Lincoln be in the next 10 or 20 years? To get an idea of where Lincoln is heading, I spoke to Vice President, Welfare and Community Officer at the Students' Union, Olivia Hill. This is my fourth year now in Lincoln and from what I've heard from people who have lived here their whole lives, if we look back 20 years, it's been such a massive change already. And I think Lincoln has really um, come alive. There's a lot more uh, diversity, there's a lot more kind of shops and entertainment. And you know, I remember someone saying to me that you couldn't get a hot dinner after six o'clock kind of thing. Um, and so in another 20 years, you know, the there can be so much more, so kind of I see more shops, a greater cultural diversity. Um, you know, Lincoln is, is rising kind of on there. If we look at Siemens economically, it's, it's rising so much and it can really become a centre for engineering. And there's so many opportunities of, of small seeds of industry that I think have been planted recently that we're going to really see flourish soon. The city has grown tremendously over the years and it seems the next coming years won't be booking that trend. So where will Lincoln be in the next decade? To find out what the future holds for Lincoln, we spoke to Dan Clayton from the University's Estates Department, who gave us an insight into developments currently in the pipeline. I think in terms of the university, we've got um, a growth agenda from our master plan for the Braveford campus that got outlined plan permission in March 2013. So we've got a, a 10 year outline plan permission 
for up to 100,000 square metres of new building space. So that's looking at potential new student residences, new academic buildings, and new service buildings that provide stuff like catering, that kind of thing. So in the immediate future, we're currently working on three significant projects at the Braidwood campus. So we've got a new extension to the engineering building, which potentially will be starting next year, um, sort of May time, 2015. Then we've got a new building for psychology, health and social care, which we're, we've had a consultation with local residents for the Wickford Yard site adjacent to the David Chinnick Business and Law Building, and potentially that will create a route through from Braveford Hall East to the High Street. And then we're also looking, there's a third new building at the possibility of a new student residence block somewhere on campus. So we've been pricing up the options for all those three three projects. So they're over the next three or four years. On top of that, we've got the Lincoln Science Innovation Park down uh, with the Joseph Banks Laboratories and Minster House and the land beyond that. So that's going to be developing over the next sort of five or ten years. And that's going to create lots of new jobs, uh, right from sort of um, low skill jobs to very high skill jobs. So right across the whole range, um, it's going to contribute significantly to, to local economy. So as you can see, even in a short space of time, there is a great deal of growth and change set to take place in Lincoln. So where will Lincoln be in the next 10 or 20 years? What will the future hold for the city? It seems the sky's the limit. And that was Ross there giving us an insight into what we can look forward to over the next few years. If you'd like to learn more about what the City Council has planned, head over to their website, www.lincoln.gov.uk, and search for the City Centre Master Plan where you'll find tons of info on what they've got planned for Lincoln. So from what we've heard, I'd say there's a widely held opinion that the history's pretty pretty important to the city. What do you reckon? Ev- everyone's on board. Everyone agrees. That there's no disagreement at all, is there? No. Even with the one person who said that they preferred the modern side of Lincoln, even they said that history is vital yeah even though even how the city's become so much more like there's massive shopping centers now the high streets become a lot more modern obviously the university has changed a lot in 20 years this this there's definitely a still historical side to lincoln and that's i think that will remain part of his character forever it is yeah it's, it's great that there's that harmony between old and new i mean we have the all this history but it's not being harmed by any of the new developments that have come around in the last uh, last few decades. If anything, it's doing um, it's, if anything, it's doing the historical side a world of good. Yeah, well, like people come in to the university, they learn more about the historical side, and then more people come along to to see the historical side. I mean, I thought I thought it was a, it amazed me. I mean, before before we did this, I had no idea that Lincoln was home to the biggest man-made structure for nearly two centuries or that a tank had been invented or the yeah. tank yeah i mean i remember the first time i learned ab- about the tank and <laughs> it just blew my mind because you when you've lived somewhere for so long you think oh it's this boring sleepy place and then someone comes along and says oh yeah by the way you see that building that was bigger than the pyramids of giza and like we covered in the other points as well uh, professor owen said in his interview didn't he about how the university does a it gives quite a big financial injection into the economy of the city so it's Again, if, if if it's done anything for the historical side, it's kept it. It's done well to preserve it. It's pushed everything forward. Yeah. What what makes what makes Lincoln so great? It's got the old and the new 
together, helping each other, helping the whole city grow. And then on from that is what we have in store for the future. So the university is only going to expand. I think there's going to be more shops, more jobs, better economy. And hopefully from that, seeing as the castle's now being renovated, the cathedral has still got scaffolding around the edges. They still care about the history. So where Lincoln is now, we've got the 20-year-old university. Uh, we've got uh, this diverse culture of people. We've got the mix of the old and the new, like you the said. The mix of the old, new, old, new, not just old, new architecture, old, new people. It's not, it's not a one-horse town. It's not just, it's not just a student town. It's got, yes, it's got lots of students, but you know, it's got people who have been here a lot longer. People who've been here all their lives. Yeah. And people who've seen it, pe- people who have seen it grow, people who have seen it transform. And I think that's got a lot to say with, like we've already covered, why a lot of students would choose to study in this city. It's the mix of the old and the new, the it's diverse cultures, the diverse. It's a city of diversity. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, hopefully you've all learned something. Um, one of the biggest parts of moving away is coming to a new place, unfamiliar place. And part part of one's identity is where you live, where you are. So hopefully we've helped you form that identity as you've moved away to university. And that's all we have time for. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I know I have. I definitely have. If you'd like to find out more on any of the topics, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash oldvsnewlincoln or you can visit our blog oldvsnewlincoln.blogs.lincoln.ac.uk There's some special facts about the shooting of the Da Vinci Code at the cathedral, some full-length interviews, and there's a time-lapse of walking up Steep Hill as well if you want to check that out. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I am Sean Doyle. I've been here with Ross Blair. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.